I'm so excited for this message. Um, how many uh, moms do we have in the room? How many moms do you have in the room? If you're a mom online, tell us that you're a mom. So my wife is incredible. We have two little boys. Moms have to wear like a lot of hats. You know what I'm saying? Like when you're like a mom, you have to wear a lot of hats. Some of y'all are moms and you have little kids and you're like a teacher and you're a cook and you're a wife and you're a house cleaner and you're a businesswoman and you're doing all the finances for your family and you're a carpooler and you're a, you know, you literally do all these different things all at the same time. And what I feel about Jesus is we often as Americans um, we often view Jesus as having like a lot of different hats. We're like, oh yeah, he's our friend. He's our savior. And he's our brother. Because, you know, scripture tells us that we're brothers with Christ. And we have all these different hats or labels that we view Jesus through. And often, because we live in America and we're like a buffet-style Christianity, we like to pick and choose what we want and leave what we don't like. Often, we've left the hat of Lord off of Jesus. So my, the title of my message tonight is Keep the Lord in Jesus. Keep the Lord in Jesus. We're going to be reading out of Mark 10, if you have your Bibles. We're going to be in Mark 10, 17 through 22. It's the story of the rich young ruler, and I am uh, excited to read this passage. I believe we have a lot, to, a lot to pack into here. Before I get into it, um, I would just love to pray. So, Holy Spirit, I thank you that you're here, that you're the wonderful teacher, that you came to reveal Christ to us, God, and that we're all in different situations with different problems, with different dreams, with different passions. We're, we're coming from all different places, yet the Holy Spirit can teach us all something that we need to hear tonight. And so, God, I just pray that you'd be glorified. I pray, God, that we would not leave the same. I pray, God, that our faith and our devotion to Jesus would increase tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So I was at my, talking to my young adults on Thursday, and I told them, I said, listen, if you're comfortable in your faith, don't come to Sunday night. I said, if you want, if you want to grow, then you should come, because this message is going to be, it's going to seem harsh, but it's actually just true, okay? And, and, and I would encourage you to lean into this message and to lean into the scriptures and to what they have to say, not just to your current life, but to your eternal life. Because that's the life that matters most. Your eternal, your purpose, your relationship with Jesus. So let's go into the rich young ruler. It's in uh, Mark 10. It says, uh, as Jesus was setting out on a journey, a man ran up to him and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what shall I do so that I may inherit eternal life? But Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not give false testimony, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. And he said to him, teacher, I have kept all these things from my youth. Looking at him, Jesus showed love to him and said to him, one thing you lack, go and sell all you, all you possess and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come. Follow me. But he was deeply dismayed by these words, and he went away grieving, for he was one who owned much property. The rich young ruler 
asks Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Another way that they put it is, he asked Jesus, how do I get to heaven? How do I get to heaven? How do I make it on the good side, not on the bad side? And Jesus responds, and he says, one thing you lack, go and sell everything you own, give it to the poor, then come follow me. Another way that I can put that is he says, one thing you lack is to make me Lord. You want me as Savior, will you make me Lord? You know, all throughout the New Testament, Jesus, we, we see Jesus described as Lord Jesus. The rich young ruler refused to place Jesus as the master, as the ruler, as the supreme authority over his life. And because of that, because he refused to let go of his money and his wealth, because he refused to let go of the material world, Jesus says, you can have no part of me. You see, in America, we have Christians all over the streets, all over the schools, all in our workplaces who love Jesus as their Savior but refuse to make him Lord. And they are two sides of the same core. And I was thinking of my message and I was thinking of the TV show and I couldn't think of it, but now it's coming back to me now. It's a song where it goes, Love and Marriage. What's the name of that show? Is it Married? What is it? Married with Children. You can't have one without the other. You guys sound okay. <laughs> Lord Jesus, you can't have one without the other. You want Jesus as Savior? He has to be Lord. You want Jesus as your Savior? It is one, He is the same person. He cannot be Savior unless He is Lord. He can, you cannot get away with just making Jesus Savior. It is the biggest lie that American Christianity has ever sold us. Is that you can pray a prayer one time. You can go to church. You can be a good person. You can do your own thing and get by the skin of your teeth and make it to heaven. It doesn't happen. The people who make it are the people who have made Jesus Lord. <sighs> Another way to put this is why I have this door. Is the rich young ruler came to the door and he says, Jesus, I want eternal life. And Jesus said, you can have eternal life, it's free. By faith, it's by grace you've been saved through faith. He says, it's, it's eternal life is right here, but you have to walk through the door. You have to make, you have to surrender your will. You have to surrender the control. You have to surrender your morality. You have to surrender your relationships. You have to, you have to surrender it all and walk through the door of obedience to Jesus. Obedience to Jesus. We walk through the door to make him Lord. That is what it means to be a Christian. It's a little Christ-like one. How can we be Christ-like unless we obey Christ? The rich young ruler shows us that discipleship and obedience to Jesus is the way. It says in this in John 10. 
and 7 through 11. It says, So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came so that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. Jesus is saying, I am the door. I am the way. I am the Savior and Lord. I am the Lord of Lords. I am the King of Kings. It is not, it's not a matter of whether he's Lord of your life. He is Lord. We get the privilege of making him Lord of our lives. So he is already Lord. He's already master. He's already ruling. We have this crazy political stuff going on right now. Yo, Jesus isn't phased. Jesus isn't phased by CRT. Jesus isn't phased by the MAGA crazies. Jesus isn't phased by white supremacists. Jesus isn't phased by, by, by uh, the, the riots. Jesus isn't phased by the insurrection. Jesus is not concerned about what's happening in politics. Now, does he want things to change and be more righteous? Of course, but he doesn't want Christians to be so consumed by politics that they refuse to make him Lord of their home. Y'all are going to get me fired up tonight. (sighs) Okay, I'm going to go through some scriptures just to show that Jesus is Lord. So, Jesus is Lord. He's Lord. Philippians 2, 9 through 11. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. God has highly exalted Jesus... Okay? So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. That means demons. And every tongue that confess that Jesus Christ is what? Lord to the glory of the Father. It's not those who believe in Jesus. Even the demons believe and they shudder. It's those who have made him Lord. Those who have said, not my will. Those who have said, I forsake all. Family, I forsake job, I forsake money, I forsake will. My, all, my, all the things I could ever accumulate to make Jesus the Lord of my personal life. That is what it means to follow Jesus. Matthew 4.10, then Jesus said to him, the devil, who's being tempted in the wilderness when he's fasting 40 days, says, be gone, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Isaiah 42.8 says, I am the Lord, that is my name, my glory I give to no other, nor my praise to carved idols. Here as well, I'll pause and say, we, especially young people, but our, our culture in general, has been influenced by postmodernism. If you know what postmodernism is, um, great. If you don't, it's basically the, it's the worldview that there are an unlimited number of interpretations to any single act. And the way that it fleshes itself out, it says that, what's your truth? Jesus is Lord of your life. Great. I am the Lord of my own. See, there's no difference. You see, that doesn't fit with the biblical worldview because it says that Jesus is the Lord of heaven and earth. So that means he's Lord whether you've made him Lord or not. He is Lord whether you want him to be or not. He is king no matter what you identify as your worldview. He still reigns supreme. 
And so as we, as followers of Christ, we have to evaluate how culture has influenced us. We have to evaluate and say, wow, has this postmodernism, has that affected how I relate to my family members? Because I have family members who identify as LGBTQ, or I have family members who are in this this different sort of camp, or I have family members who are atheist and agnostic, or they're a different worldview, and we just sit there and we go, oh, tell me more about that. Tell me more, oh, oh, that's so interesting. I'm not telling you to be harsh, okay? I'm not telling you to be harsh. The Bible says to be gentle. <laughs> it says to be gentle. It says to love your enemies. It says to be patient with people. It's all these amazing, but what I'm saying is you can't be sucked into the cultural narrative that says, oh, that's so interesting. That works for you. Oh, you're into energy. Oh, tell me. Oh, you're meditating. Oh, well, you know, all these things that I, that I experience and, and deal with, with young people specifically, but I know it's affecting more than young people. It's affecting us, all of us. Jesus is Lord, whether others believe it or not. Hebrews 5.8 says, Although he was a son, speaking of Jesus, he learned obedience through what he suffered, and being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him. But Pastor Jake, I thought it's by grace and it's by believing Yes, but when you believe, guess what you believe? You believe he's Lord. When you believe in Jesus, you don't believe just in his death and his burial and resurrection. You believe in who he is. And if you believe in who Jesus is, then you will obey him. Because he is Lord. Jesus meets us at the door of obedience. He meets us in this space. James talk about, talks about it, where it's like, it's like you have faith, but then you don't do anything. He says, faith without works is dead. Not that you prove, not that you earn your salvation, but your obedience is the fruit in which proves the, eter- the, uh, the salvation that God has granted you, the new creation that God is making you into. The obedience is the fruit of Christ's work in our life. So Jesus is Lord, and he's perfecting and giving eternal salvation to all who obey him. Now, don't hear me wrong and say, well, I need to obey him in order to go to heaven. No, it's by by grace through faith. It is through belief in God and who Jesus is that we are, are, are deemed righteous. But often we get sold that, and we think we can go and do whatever the heck we want to do. Jesus is Lord. When you believe in Jesus... You believe in his, his coming. You believe in his dying. You believe in his resurrecting. And you believe he is who he says he is, which is Lord of lords, King of heaven and earth. And he has not allowed you to be subjective and decide for yourself what you, your life will become. He is your shepherd, meaning that he leads you. And we join this this, uh, this amazing union with Jesus upon following him where he guides us and leads us in our life. Let's keep reading some scripture. It says in Revelation 19, 16, on his robe and on his thigh, speaking of Jesus, he has the name written, King of Kings, Lord of Lords. John 20, uh, verse 28, Thomas answered him, speaking of Jesus, my Lord 
and my God. Romans 10, 9. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You see, there's this surrendering of our will that needs to take place and that needs to continue to take place in our following and discipleship to Jesus. Romans 10.13 For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Not everyone who cries out to Jesus will be saved. Everyone who calls him and willingly submits the, the mastering and direction of their life. Everyone who says, not my will, your will. Jesus, your work on the cross forgave my sin forever that I didn't have to work and do anything else. I will follow those people. Those are the ones who are saved. I'm going to lose my voice tonight. Jeez. Come on, Skip. You got to calm me down. Calm me down, Skip. <laughs> so let's talk about the word Lord. So as you, you look up the definition of this word Lord that we see, is that to which a person or thing belongs. So when I'm claiming that Jesus is my Lord, I'm literally saying, I belong to you. And it's not a Christianese phrase if you really mean it. And it's a scary thing to pray if you mean it. If you mean it and you say, I am yours, that means that when he tells you to do something, you don't get to do what you want to do. When you say, I am yours, it leads you in this vulnerable state in which, in which you are no longer the leader of your life. In which you no longer get to, get to sit in your sin and dismiss it as no big deal. It means that you no longer are, 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 are satisfied with living a life and having a marriage and parenting in a way that is just status quo with the rest of the kids or the rest of the parents that are in your kids' class. It means that you are under the submission of the supreme being, Jesus, and that you're allowing him to direct you. Keep the Lord in Jesus. Keep the Lord in Jesus. Another way to say Lord is master. Master. You know, we, as Americans, we hate this. We're like, we're, we have our rights. We're like, yes, you know, we have our own thing. You do you, I do me. Yeah, let's do that. No, listen, that's not, that's not Jesus. Jesus says, you do what I tell you to do. Not as an overlord that hates you and is trying to, to, to manipulate, manipulate you, but a, but a loving father and savior who has your best interest in mind. This is the way of Jesus. The rich young ruler wanted a savior, but not a lord. He wanted the benefits of Jesus without following Jesus. And it doesn't work that way. And I'm not, hear me out. Okay, I'm not yelling at you, okay? I'm not mad at you. I'm not assuming that none of you uh, follow Jesus this way. But what I am doing is, is, is stirring it up because I understand, I know in my own life, like I, I get in spots where my will reigns supreme over Christ on certain days. And I'm just saying, listen, let's evaluate ourselves and let's have, a fresh, uh, let's have a fresh moment where we put Jesus as the supreme being. Let's as a group say, you know what, let's evaluate this. Have I done that? And then, no, if I have done it, don't beat yourself up. You just say, Jesus, you're amazing. You love me even though I'm a... I, I don't think straight sometimes, and that God, I can, as simple as tonight, make a decision that, you know, Jesus, you're back on top. Jesus, you're back as Lord. 
Your back is Lord tonight. I'm not mad at anyone. <laughs> I never thought I'd be an angry preacher. I don't know. Does it seem like I'm angry? <sighs> so we cannot have Jesus as Savior without having him as Lord. Meaning that if we want Jesus, we have to be willing to obey him. This is where the rubber meets the road. Obedience is the fruit of lordship to Jesus. If you want to know if someone has made him Lord, you evaluate if someone obeys Jesus in the scriptures. If somebody is not, now, I am a sinner, I mean, I'm a saint who sins, okay? Just because I sin doesn't, doesn't make, mean Jesus isn't my Lord, but if growth isn't happening, it might be a sign that I've just wanted him as Savior, not as Lord. Obedience to Jesus is the fruit of someone who's made him Lord. Not perfection, daily consistent obedience in our attitudes toward our, toward our spouses, in our attitudes towards our teachers when they're forcing your kids to wear masks and you hate it. In our, in our attitudes towards our coworkers and our boss. You see, when you go to God consistently as Lord, you'll realize there's so many opportunities in which we get to grow. But the people who don't grow are the people who never go to Jesus as Lord. They only go to him as Savior and sometimes as healer and sometimes as provider because that's what Jesus can do for me. But when you go to him as Lord, he gives you an assignment. He says, listen, I love you, Jake. You're amazing. You're a royal priesthood. I've given you my righteousness. He, he pours all the identity into me. And then he goes, hey, man, look at this. I see, oh, I'm weak in that area. I'm weak in how I'm treating my wife. Oh, I'm so, man, I could do something. And he goes, look at how you could be doing this. And I go, Jesus, you're amazing. Like, wow, I could do it that way. But if you only come to him with a list of things that you need answers for, you got the healing, you got this, you got all the other stuff, you're praying for the country, you're praying for all these other things, and yet you're never going to him and saying, Jesus, search me and know me. God, search my heart. Remove any wicked way in me. You see, that is the sign of someone who has made Jesus Lord. All right, I feel like I need to put a joke in here somewhere like that. I don't know. <laughs> Chuck Norris joke. That's Brian. He's in our young adult group. He knows I'm a sucker for a good Chuck Norris joke. Do you guys know Chuck Norris jokes? They're hilarious. I don't know why. I think they're so funny. Okay. Sorry. Not sorry. Jesus is Lord. Okay, that's what we're on. If Jesus is Lord, it means that I am not. I'll let that sit in for a second. If Jesus is Lord which means I am not. If Jesus is Lord, then obedience isn't optional. Jesus meets us at this door of obedience. He meets us at this door of obedience. There's a scripture in Matthew, I don't have it on the screen, it says, many will come, Jesus is talking, and he says, many will come to me on that day, meaning the day of judgment. 
right? When we stand before God and he, he, he reveals if we've placed our trust in him, if we have been found in Christ or out of Christ. You want to be in Christ. You want to be forgiven. You want to be, that's where you want to be. And he says, many, many. When I hear that, I go, Lord, please. Like, that's a sign that you need to check your heart. When you see many, it means that many are deceived. And if you think you're not deceived, that's a sure sign that you could be. Not that we question our faith and we go, are we saved? Are we not saved? That's not the point. The point is, is to have a soft heart that is always tilted towards Christ and saying, what, what, am I missing something here? Okay? I'm not telling us to question our faith, question our salvation. That's not the point. But the point is for us to question, is he Lord? It says, many will come to me on that day and say, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not give to the poor in your name? Did we not, did we not do all these things in your name? And Jesus on that day will say, depart from me. I never knew you. This is, this is kind of how I view it with this door. He'll say, many stood looking at the door saying that I was their Lord but they never walked through the door of obedience they did all the Christian stuff they got their social status card with the local church but they never made me Lord the heart wasn't postured to follow after Jesus. The heart was postured to get out of a to get a get out of hell free card. And those are two totally different things. <sighs> Let's make Jesus Lord. It's the safest place to be. It is the happiest place to be. It is the most peaceful place to be. It is the most it is the it is the only place to be. You are your biggest problem. You leading your life. You deciding your morals. You deciding your lifestyle. You deciding all things about your marriage and your family. You deciding what is wrong and right is the thing that is causing all the problems in your life. The only solution is a union with the God of the universe through Christ in which the Holy Spirit comes, makes his home in you, and now you have connection and relationship with Jesus and relationship with the God of the universe the only solution is to say, whoa, I am going to submit to that guy. The one who came and died for you. The one, the God, the creator who came in human form, who suffered all things, was tortured, was murdered, was misunderstood, was labeled, and yet he laid down his life for you and for me and for all of humanity to redeem us, to make us new. And he invites us, just like he invited the apostles, come, follow me. Come, follow me. He doesn't tell you to follow Pastor Dwayne. He doesn't tell you to follow me. He doesn't tell you to follow anyone else. He says, or Donald Trump or Joe Biden or any other politician. He says, follow me. Follow me. Obedience is not optional. We all have things that are in our life that we have not been obedient in. 
One of the simplest ways to start putting Jesus as Lord of your life is to do the thing you know he wants you to do. So many times we get so caught up in these big problems. So many times, especially now, I see it everywhere. We're like, we need to solve we need to solve climate change, and we need to solve the border crisis, and we need to solve the CRT in schools, and we need to see solve all these other things, and we need to solve all the people who are not getting vaccinated, and then we need to solve all the problems of the people who are getting vaccinated, and then we need to solve all these major problems, and we're praying, and we're saying, God, we want you back in schools. God, we want you enthroned in our country. He wants to be enthroned in your home. Listen. Our, our culture will tell you to fight for things you have no control over while you let the things in your home go. The only way Jesus will be Lord of this country is if he's Lord in our homes. It's the only way. And I don't mean putting a, 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 a sign on your door that says, for me and my house, you know, we will serve the Lord. You know, like, I mean truly sacrificial living. And we all have different things that the Lord's leading us into. We all have different areas that the Lord's going to teach us to do, and, and he's going to show us what we need to obey in. And that's the beautiful point, is that I don't get to determine your life. He does. And my job is to point you to him as Lord. And then he shepherds and leads and guides you through his Holy Spirit. We sang it tonight. You know, uh, What's the spirit lead me? What's that song? It's the ocean song, whatever. It's like spirit lead me, you know? It's like lead me, but not the way I want to be led. Lead me. <laughs> it's a scary prayer. And the devil is trying to get us to put other things as Lord of our lives. He did it to Jesus in Matthew 4.10. He says, be gone, Satan. So Jesus, Jesus is going, he's being tempted by the devil. And one of the ways that the devil tempts Jesus is he says, then Jesus said, or he tempts him by showing him all the kingdoms of the world. And he says, hey, bow down to me, make me Lord, and then I'll give you everything you want. He says, make me Lord. The devil, his strategy is for us to make other things Lord. To make other things matter more than what matters most. To have our affection drawn, to have our trust drawn to politics. If only my candidate would have won, then this, the, the country wouldn't be like it is right now. If only my candidate would have won. If only, if only, if only, if only. And the reality is, is that Jesus is still Lord of Lords. And he's not trying to change our country. He's trying to change the church. That's what he's trying to do. And if he knows, because he knows if we get this, then the world like, will change. But if we're so focused on things that we can't control, we'll be deceived and we'll, he won't be Lord. Because we'll be so focused on peripheral and unimportant things that don't matter that we'll ignore the voice of God telling us to obey, correcting us, and leading us. We'll be led by voices that are not the voice of the shepherd. <sighs> the crazy thing about Jesus being Lord is that we often have such, and often have bad experiences with authority, right? We have parents that, didn't, that tried their best but didn't do that good of a job. We have, 
I don't speak to my parents. My parents are amazing. But I'm just saying in general, we often have parents that did their best but didn't do a perfect job. We often have teachers and coaches and we have bosses and we've been taken advantage of by authority. And so we often have a distrust of Jesus as Lord. Does he have my best interest in mind? Listen, the proof is in the pudding. God himself came in the form of Jesus. He sacrificed himself on a cross and he was raised back to life so that we could be forgiven. You see, our Lord, our Lord sacrificed everything for us. He is a perfect father, James says. He is, he is the benevolent one. He's the one who came and healed diseases. He's the one who came and gave to the poor. He's the one who was the most compassionate and purposeful and intentional person ever to exist. First John 4 says, he is love. When you place Jesus as Lord of your life, you are placing the most benevolent, the most perfect, the most wise person to ever lead your life. But the trick is, the trick is, and it's not a trick, it's just a really difficult thing to do, is you have to let go of control. Humans don't like to do that. I remember when I was 19 years old, I remember a guy came on this very stage and I was sitting right over there and he gave a message and I knew the Lord was just telling me to go all in, to make him Lord. He was telling me, he was showing me how, and just revealing how unsatisfied I was with living the, the lukewarm Christian life. And I remember sitting there and wrestling during the message because the spirit was just saying, he was just gripping my heart and making me so unsatisfied. And I went to the speaker afterwards and I was, and I told him, I remember I was in tears. I was like, listen, I want to live that way, but I'm afraid. He's like, tell me more. I'm afraid of letting go. It's, this, it's just this, this ripping of our internal self that every part of us doesn't want to let go, but the very moment we do, we are filled with peace and life and joy and purpose, and we, were, we start to live the way God designed us to live. But the process of going from having me, Lord, to Christ as Lord, is, is, it, it is a wrestling match. And some of you, it's happening right now, and I'm challenging you, much like I did. I'm challenging you to wrestle tonight. To wrestle with your flesh and your sin and wrestle with the, unsat the, the, the feelings of being unsatisfied with the mundane and the normal. To lay those at the feet of Jesus and say, I give you control. And I believe if you do that tonight, the Holy Spirit will come in and he will make you new. For some, that means eternal life in which you start a relationship with Jesus. For some, it is a refreshing placement of Jesus as Lord, which is always a beautiful thing. So would you guys bow your heads and close your eyes with me? I just want to give uh, just 30 seconds, literally, just to ask this question. What's one thing that Holy Spirit has been nudging you to do that you've been ignoring? What's one thing? For some of you, it's something to do with a spouse. For some of you, it's something to do with a kid. For some of you, it's something to do with sin. For some of you, it's 
it's a conversation, it's conflict you have with a family member that you, that you want to resolve. And here's the trick. Our, our, our flesh will tell us, okay, you need to make a decision to do that. No. Right now, I want you just to say a quick prayer to Jesus. The Holy Spirit's illuminated something. And now it's as simple as this. You just have a conversation with Jesus and, and place him as Lord. Don't make a promise. Yeah, that promise. I'm going to do this. Don't make that promise. Just make Jesus Lord. Just, just place him as the highest authority in your life right now. And just watch peace come over you. Watch condemnation and shame leave. He's not beating you up for not obeying. He's thrilled to have children entering into relationship with him. Just make him Lord. Say, Jesus, you, I place you as my highest authority tonight. And I believe that he will give you the courage, the strength, the grace to follow through on what the Holy Spirit showed you. And that it's not a performance, it's a relationship that you have with Lord Jesus. And if you're here tonight or you're watching online, maybe you've heard of Jesus as Savior, but tonight something hit you that you've never made him Lord. That you have never surrendered your will and said, I am a sinner and I need to follow Jesus with my entire life and trust him. If you've never done that, on the other side of that recognition is eternal life in a, in a relationship with the God of love in which he leads and guides your entire life. If that's you and you've never made him Lord and Savior, I just want you to raise your hand and I want to pray with you. On the count of three, just raise your hand and I want to pray with you tonight. And the Holy Spirit will do a work inside of you to make you new. On the count of three, if you're, if you're there and you feel the Holy Spirit and you feel God reaching into your heart and grabbing you, on the count of three, just raise your hand. One, two, three. Raise it up. I see that hand. Praise God. I see that hand. This is amazing, guys. If you're online and you're identifying with that, you're saying, no, I need to give Jesus my whole life. You need to text not, or text res yes to 94,000. Text res yes to 94,000. Everyone else, let's just pray this prayer together. Would you repeat after me? Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me while I was your enemy. Thank you for sending Jesus, Lord Jesus, to die on a cross for my sin and to be raised back to life so that I could be made brand new. Jesus, you are my master from this day forward. I rely on you as I move forward. In Jesus' name, amen.